Our scripture lesson today is again the same reading that we shared earlier from Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain brought low. The crooked place shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Have you been doing your shopping I think we're almost finished. We got one more thing to get, I believe. Well, we think, you know, there's always, oh, we forgot Uncle Harry. We, you know, but, but th- there's always one more, it seems like. And, uh, but, but I've been noticing that people are, are really turning out to shop. I don't know if you've been out that way or not. And, uh, you know, I know Chris, Christmas is supposed to be the season of charity, isn't it? But, you know, I hope I haven't been one of them, but I've run into some very uncharitable drivers. I'm telling you. And that tests a believer's, uh, believer's faith sometimes that they would show Christ and not some other spirit. But, but people are busy getting ready, and uh, the decorations in most places are already up. And they all seem to be focused outwardly, and one, one has to ask the question, are we focused inwardly? Are we looking at Christmas spiritually? Are we reflecting on what the coming of the Lord means? And I don't know. I can only answer for myself. Uh, but, you know, uh, sometimes I read in the paper about these people getting in fights in malls over toys. I'm sure some people hate us because my little granddaughter wanted a pink unicorn bicycle. That's what she wanted. And we searched and searched. And if you were looking for one, I'm sorry, but we bought the last one in town. <laughs> and we took it down to her. Part of the plan was that, that we were going to leave it in the car and let her uh, then bring it in as though we'd forgotten it. But Elizabeth had bought her a pair of of a unicorn. How many of your kids are into unicorns? The little ones. Everybody, seems like they all are into unicorns. So Elizabeth bought a pair of unicorn pajamas with a pair of unicorn shoes. I don't know if you've seen those. They have little horns on them. And so, and so we, we, we bought the, those in first, and she starts going through the packages and, and gets those shoes, and she lifts them. She says, this is what I've been dreaming of all my life. <laughs> Brought the bicycle in. It's kind of anticlimactic, <laughs> uh, but you know, but you know, but to be focused and uh, and I uh, especially appreciate those though who are spiritually focused. For you see, it is those that get the real meaning of Christmas. Christmas is to remember God's action for us. Christmas is for us. 
It is the way that God had planned from the beginning to reconcile a sinful and dying world to him. I shall never forget as a young boy, I grew up in the mountains of East Tennessee and uh, and Monty, I know you growing up in West Virginia and are very familiar with strip mining, you know. And that, uh, and I grew up in the time before they required strip miners to repair their abuse of the earth. <laughs> and, uh, and across the road from where I grew up, there was a, a big strip mine. It was used to strip clay out of the ground for making pottery and stuff. But it just was so ugly, especially in the winter what, when what few trees along that place lost, lost their leaves. But I'll never forget a Christmas when Eve when I was about, I must have been about 10 years old. Now, uh, we walked to church. And, uh, and I remember we came out to go to church and we had our coats on. My father had his big, heavy, gray herringbone coat that came almost to his ankles. They used to make them that way. And, and we were walking to church, and it was a blustery evening, very cold. And we went into the little church, and uh, it was not near as pretty as this one, but it was a pretty little church. And, uh, and we began to a time of, of worship there on Christmas Eve, and and when we walked out, as it will sometimes do in the mountains, a real snowstorm had gone through and was going through. And we looked up at those mountains that a few minutes before had been so ugly and torn, all of them coated with snow, transformed from ugliness to amazing beauty. And my father said to our family as we walked home, this is the way it is with God. God takes all of our sins and ugliness and through the gift of Christ changes it all to something pure and beautiful. The prophet Isaiah knew what the human problem was. The human problem is that because of our sin and because of our self-centeredness, which is the mark of original sin, that we, we transform something beautiful in our lives to something that is ugly and scarred and impure. That's, that's every person before Christ. Make no mistake about it. For we are all sinners. The Bible says that. And if any person says they are not a sinner, they are a liar, and the truth is not in them. Pretty straight talk, isn't it? But that really does describe us. And in terms of dealing with our sin, we are helpless. We try to get it out of our life on our own power like the like the person who swept a demon out of their house and seven more came back worse than that. You remember Jesus told that story. We are helpless. Isaiah knew the people were helpless, but, but he had some good news in the, in the midst of that. He said, comfort 
you my people. Then he goes on to say that there would be the voice crying in the wilderness. Who was that voice? John the Baptist. He was prophesying things far beyond his time. A voice crying in the wilderness. Get ready. Get ready. For God is going to put things right. He is going to send a Messiah to save us from our sins. My family has been particularly struck this week, as all families are from time to time, that there is no assurance that tomorrow will be like today. To receive word of a beloved brother gravely ill. Let me tell you something about my brother. My brother had great compassion for others. He always did. Even for a stinking little brother. Now, my dad was a Scotchman, and he was close with every penny. And kids, you love to wear blue jeans to school. I didn't get to wear blue jeans. I got to wear dungarees. Most people don't know what dungarees are. But they're, they're and, and let me tell you, I think he picked them up at the Army-Navy surplus store because I saw some USN marked on some of them. And got into high school and, and, and other people were in different clothes and, and I was uh, a little bit embarrassed by that. But my junior year in high school, I, before I started, I came home and my brother had already finished school and was at work and there were these packages on my bed and he'd gone out and bought me very nice khakis and very nice shirts and even a new pair of shoes to wear at school. Now, not many older brothers do that, you know. It is a shock to know, and of course he may outlive me, but it is a shock to know that soon he will be gone. But that is true of all of us, isn't it? There are some perhaps sitting here today that next Christmas may be sitting at the throne. And I trust there is no one sitting here today that, that if next Christmas they were not here among the living, I trust and pray that, that all of you have personally accepted Christ Jesus as your Savior. You see, we get busy getting ready for Christmas. And I'm no different than you. But are we ready for the Messiah? Are we ready for the Lord Jesus to come in fullness to our life. And it's a very simple thing if you're not ready. It really is. It's nothing hard. Even a little child can understand it. I'm positive my little four-year-old grandchild in Tennessee understands it. 
She was concerned to know if she was going to heaven. Her mother took her to the pastor. She prayed that she was a sinner, asked Jesus to come into her life and be her Lord. It's as simple as that. And you don't have to come to the front of the church to do it. Although you do need at some point to give public testimony to it. You can go home today and and, and kneel in your home and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my life. I am ready. And God will be faithful. You see, it's him that does the saving, not the preacher, not the church. It's him that does the saving. Isaiah encouraged the world to get ready. They weren't ready when Jesus came, really, in spite of all they said. Had they known this was the Messiah, Herod would have repented and swept out his temple and had the baby be born there. And the innkeeper, busy making money, he would have put out his best guess to put Mary and Joseph there. The world wasn't ready. Now let me tell you something more tragic. You see all the godlessness in our world. You see it. Taking the lives of police officers, uh, false religions, making it a virtue to kill somebody who's not a part of their religion. Thievery, lying, deceit, murder, envy, all those things that Paul outlines in Romans 8 is the mark of those who are going to hell. We see it all around us. And many of those people who, who do not belong to Christ are the, the busiest of all trying to, quote, get ready for Christmas. But the tragedy is this for those people and the glory for us. The first advent, Jesus, as I've taught you before, came in weakness and meekness and the world judged him and crucified him. But that promise of Isaiah, that is not the end of the story. For as the apostles were told at the ascension of our Lord, why stand you marveling looking up the air? This Jesus who you see shall in likewise manner return. Get ready, world. And when he comes again, what does the Bible tell us? He's not going to be judged by the world. He's not going to be weak and meek. He's coming as the mighty king, the judge of the world. The world judged him the first time. This time he's going to judge the world. The world compelled him to do this way. This time the world will be compelled. They they falsely held him accountable. This time he's going to purely and righteously hold them accountable. Jesus is coming again. Get ready. And what does the Bible say about that coming? The Bible says about that coming, every eye is going to see him. All will be raised from the dead. Meltesung, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin are going to see him. And the evil will shake in their bones. The unredeemed will cry out, let the mountain fall on me. I don't want to see this. But they're going to see it. He's coming again. 
and the righteous will rejoice. When I went by Thanksgiving, Elizabeth and I bought some flowers and took them to my first wife's grave. And we planted those flowers there. And and as I looked around, there was a a grave that was right beside ours just been put in. And it was of my dear friend, Junior Haney, who, who told me when he gave me our grave plots out of his family plot, he says, when the resurrection comes, we'll rise up together. Good to know he's there. Good to know she's there. Good to know someday I'll be there. Because Jesus is coming again. And for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who are in Christ Jesus, they are the only ones that are ready. And it's going to be a glorious day. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more separation. We shall see Jesus. Wonderful thing to be ready. Close with one story. When when I was uh, at Duke University many years ago, and I hope somebody, if they're not right with the Lord today, are afraid. Because you better be afraid. But I remember at Duke University, you know, that was, a, that was my time of purgatory on earth. And, uh, and, uh, but I remember Professor said, he was one of the preaching professors, says, now you young men, don't cause people to be afraid. If you want to be a strong leader and have lots of people together at your church, don't make them afraid. That's not what Christianity is about. And I said to him, sir, if being eternally lost and damned to hell, isn't it a good thing to make people afraid that may be at that place? What is the worst thing that can happen? Not losing all your money. Not losing your good looks. I've lost most of mine. Somebody said the other day, oh, you look so nice. And I said, you're the first person that I've heard say that since my mother said it. But, but, you know, all those things are fading, friends. Everything in the world fades. Everything you have will be gone someday except this. The one thing you have, you have because you've gotten ready for the greatest reality of life. You've gotten ready and you know Christ as your Savior. This is not a sentimental story we preach at Christmas. It is the message of God's salvation and how we receive that salvation. Knowing that we were bought at a great price, every one of us, every person in here was bought through the suffering on the cross and the blood of the Savior and his death. But all the benefits of that, all the benefits of that, all we know, When he comes again, we will greet him with a shout in the air. That's the gift of Christmas. And if you don't have that gift, you ain't got jack. But if you haven't, rejoice. You are ready. Amen.